everyone. Really excited that you could join us for the uh, fourth episode of the Innovators Mindset Moot Mook podcast. Uh, I Mook. Uh, unfortunately, we had some te- technical difficulties on the very first episode that we tried to do with myself, Katie Martin, and Kara Welty. Um, so we did a redo, and the audio was much better. So I turn it over to Kara and Katie, so I won't be actually be on this podcast, but there's no need for me because these two are absolutely amazing. So I really hope you enjoy what they talk about. They're really focusing on the notion of um, unleashing talent in their staffs and how do you actually you know, get to that point of how do you build a culture of uh, innovation as opposed to simply pockets of innovation. I hope you enjoy it. Look forward to your feedback. All right, we are live. Welcome to episode four of the Innovators Mindset MOOC. We have Kara Welty with us tonight, and she is going to take a second to introduce herself. Um, You may notice that George is not here tonight. He got stuck traveling. So it is Kara and I tonight who are going to have a great conversation, and we look forward to your thoughts afterwards. So Kara, go ahead and introduce yourself. Tell us what you do and where you are. Hi everyone. So I'm Kara Welty. I am a mentor teacher and technology integrationist um, in the Kansas City area and specifically in independent. So in my role, I am blessed enough to be able to go into all the different classrooms and to um, be with every single teacher and the students. I work with teachers with co-teaching. I truly believe in that model. I plan with teachers as well, reflect with them in their collab sessions, or I also meet with them one-on-one, and we just continue to innovate together and try new things for kids. Awesome. So, Kara, one of the things that I hear often is that when teachers move from the classroom into the role of a coach or a mentor, there are some challenges, and they find that being out of the classroom, they need a different skill set, and they need to leverage some different um, ways of building relationships. Can you tell us a little bit about how you've gone about that in your role and what's worked well for you? That is a great question, Katie. So over the summer, actually, with George's book, The Innovator's Mindset, which this is what we're talking about right now, I actually decided to um, have a Voxer chat and invite the new staff into it and principals and even superintendents joined too. So it was really neat. And we all had a conversation about the book. So just had, just as George divided the book into different sections with questions, I picked some of those questions and we divided it up between a month and we talked about it. And then to before we even got started, we also just asked questions to each other about just getting to know you questions and starting off on that foot to really just dive in with those relationships. And I really feel that starting the year, even the summer with these questions really helps us all get an understanding of who we are, what we believe in, our missions, and really how we wanted to transform this year. So although I'm new here and I just moved to the area as well, we are all new together in my school. It's a very fun and unique situation because all of us are new and this the school was renovated but we all are new together as a team this year and everyone was chosen together so it was the book was a perfect start it could have been more perfect to kind of start these conversations so i really believe in just getting to know everyone and just being vulnerable and just showing who you are and that's a very scary thing to just say this is who i am this is what i believe in and then to also just when you ask the same out of other people and they ask the same out of you, but that's really what it takes to start getting to know each other and to start working to each other. So it's not just friendly conversations and friendly conversations just to get to know each other and about kids. It's really deep conversations because you care about one another that can just jumpstart everything you do throughout the year. That's great. 
And, you know, one of the things, even though you're new and people are really excited, um, talking about risks and talking about ideas is one thing, but being able to try it out and take those risks in your classroom um, can sometimes be a challenge. So in your role, tell us a little bit about how you're helping to empower teachers and really unleash talent. I feel that the first thing that I did to start off with was as in addition to getting other teachers, and I continue to do that because it is October. And even if you've taught with someone for years, you still need to continue to get to know them, just like any relationship, friendship or marriage, whatever it is. So that is my first priority. But as far as getting to know the teachers and diving into their strengths and unleashing that and empowering them, I really believe in first just getting to know who they are. So before I started the co-teaching and planning and reflecting with them. I really went into all the classrooms and I still do, but I just sat in for a few weeks and I just walked in the classrooms. I walked in, I sat back, I engaged with what was going on. And I just really just tried to figure out who they were and just to get that vibe of what their strengths were. And it really came across really fast because teachers, even if they don't realize all their strengths as an observer, and you know this Katie, you can just be in someone's classroom and you're like, wow, they are amazing at technology or they are really strong with math curriculum or they are great at pushing those higher kids or whatever the case is. And I really, before I started diving into that, I really just started to see who the teachers were so that I can meet them in the middle and they can meet me in the middle as well and move forward as a team. So that was incredibly helpful. That's great. I mean, and I think you have talked a lot about finding teachers where they are, figuring out their strengths and building from that which is really important. I know it's something that George talks a lot about in the book. Um, tell us a little bit about what, you, what are some things you've seen, even in your previous role or in your current role, that have really um, shifted your thinking about what's possible in the classroom and some really innovative practices that you could share with some of the viewers. I think that the most innovative things that I have seen have just come from people trying and being willing to just stick their neck out for whatever that is. And, What's amazing, even in my last role where I was a teacher, but I also led curriculum teams and things of that nature, and going to here, I see those traits of the people that are just willing to just try things and not know the results, if it's going to be positive or if it's going to be neutral or who knows what's going to happen. But trying it is just fantastic for all parties because even if we fail, we really learn from that. And I don't even like the word fail, to be honest with you. I think it has such a negative connotation because we fail every day, whether we realize it or not. It's just based on the context. But um, I really have loved this part of this year. There's so many things that we have tried. One of the third grade teachers, she came up to me. She's like, hey, I really want to do a cardboard challenge with our team. Let's do it. And I'm like, yes, I really believe in just saying yes to ideas because so many people are just so scared of what I would think or what someone else would think. And if you, that helps empower them. If you are the yes person and there's a time to also give different feedback and to help push thinking. So it's you, to not maintain the status quo, but also I think you have to figure out when to leverage that and when to do that because there's so many great ideas all the time and it's not always the time and place to push the ideas. And when she came up to me with that, I was like, yes, that's brilliant. How can I help you? How can I support you? And that's how I, that's the strategies I use to help empower people because this is, this was her idea. It was just a matter of how can I support her? And then the rest of her team also did an amazing job of supporting her. So we all just work together. And I think through just being that positive person that has that zest and the other people that I work with as well, who also have that trait, 
you're just more willing to try new things if you're like, we don't know what's going to happen, but let's do it. So that was something that we tried also with one of the fourth grade teams, with the fourth grade team that I'm working with this year. We are going to try a student ed camp here next month. So neither of us have tried it. I've led um, city ed camps before with adults, and I've led many ed camps with kids, but never a whole grade level shindig before on this level. So we're trying out things like this. We did green screen things this year and just trying out things as we go and just really putting ourselves out there and learning along the way. So it's a very positive thing when you're just not scared of what the outcome is going to be. That's, that's awesome. You mentioned feedback and you mentioned, you know, sometimes it's the right time and sometimes it's not, but really getting critical and helpful and specific feedback is really important to moving forward. So how have you found or what conditions do you create to really help um, teachers be able to hear feedback? So that, and what do you do to give them feedback that's helping them think about their next steps? The first thing I can say is modeling by me modeling that because I, at the beginning of the year, I were one-to-one. So one of my things that's part of kind of what I'm doing as well, even though I'm not leading with the technology, it's part of my role and how to integrate it at the right times is really what I believe. It's not about doing it all day, every day. Just when can it be helpful? When can it be beneficial for whatever learner is um, applicable at that time? So before we got started, I met with every single teacher and I asked them and team and I said, what are some things that you really want the students to learn this year? How do you want them to grow? How are you envisioning this? And what are some procedures that you think would be helpful to have for these Chromebooks in general? So I got everyone's feedback. And through that, we have like matrices that help the students realize different procedures with how to use the Chromebooks and things like that. And then um, through that, it just really helps me see, okay, because I've taught first grade and sixth grade, but then to see all the other grades in between that, and to see all of their different perspectives. So then we ended up dividing up the matrix. So it was K through two and three through five. The K through two matrix had pictures, the three through five was words and everyone had their input. And I think that's the important part is feedback. People say feedback, 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 but feedback doesn't mean anything if I don't change what I'm doing based on what they're saying. So I try to model that. I just ask, what, what would be helpful? How do you see things? How do you envision this? What's your goal? And therefore I change what I'm doing what we're doing, I should say, based on that. And I think through that, really, that just sends the message. And then later on, then when other people are like, hey, what do you think about this? It's not a confrontational conversation. All the conversations I've had this year with collaborating have been, what about this? Or what about this? Or, oh my gosh, let's try this. And it's been add-ons and little adjustments or different mindsets or different, and we kind of go through the motion. So together, we end up coming to similar places. But it's that pushing back that's fun yet natural, yet organic, because you're doing it the right way and you already have that friendship established. That's so important. So people feel that they are trusted, that they're safe, and then they're able to take risks and really receive that feedback, which makes a huge difference. I often hear so many people say, you know, people say they want feedback, but they don't like it when I give them some critical feedback. And, you know, they'll just illuminate some of the trust issues. And it's, so it's really important that we understand the context in which we're providing feedback. It's so true. So thanks trust. for sharing. Oh, you're welcome. Trust is everything. Trust is at the foundation of that. And if you could be the best teacher, the best leader, the best coach, the best anything in the world, but if people don't trust you, really feedback is never going to work in your organization, school, business, whatever it is. So that's really the foundation here. And 
it's once you have that feedback doesn't really become feedback. It just becomes a conversation. Absolutely. Well, we hit our 10 minutes, so it was good to kind of get the overview. And now we're going to move into our kind of five, our five topics and just go about three to four minutes for each of the topics. So I'm going to um, talk about one of the topics in the book. This section is on unleashing talent. So we're going to talk about five different themes and then share some ideas and then we'll move quickly and we'll take about 15 minutes and then we'll get to answer some questions. So the first topic is um, about strengths-based leadership. So tell us a little bit about um, how you lead from strengths. You talked a little bit out in the beginning, but really what do you see the importance of strengths-based leadership? I think leading with strengths, whether you're working with students or adults, is crucial because if you lead with strengths, you would naturally empower people. If you lead by weaknesses or if you lead with I'm the monarch and you're just another person there listening to me, you're engaging someone by force and not by really the influence and inspiration that you really want to give. So the strengths-based leadership for me is all about leading by that. So I'm a goofy, energetic person, and I that's part of my strength is being able to talk to whoever and anyone and to meet them at where they're at. And then I also also see with others who aren't as energetic as me, but that's totally fine. And I find what their strengths are and how their calmness and how their quietness and these traits really help them in their strengths. So it's really sitting back and using that to, you know, the whole school's advantage and to the student's advantage as well. And for example, um, at my school, I lead a tech, tech and innovation team with um, five, there's five of us. And often I ask them just different perspectives on what do you think about this? And what about this? And the other um, week we led a breakout session for the staff together and really getting their feedback was really crucial. And it's amazing how when you have so many different people to the table and you see the way their perspectives and what they can really bring. So really, I just really believe in getting to know people and through that, seeing what do they, what are their goals as well? And how can I help them reach those goals, whether it's professionally or whatever it is. And once you know those strengths and you ask them also, like, what do you, what what are you passionate about? Because we can guess their strengths all day long and we can be in classrooms, but also we all have our own individual insights of what we feel like, what I feel like is my strength. Someone could say, I really think you're strong in this. So we also have to ask their opinions too and in order to move forward too. Right. We've been um, in our team, we did the Gallup Strengths Poll. And so our team members really looked at what their top five strengths were. And it's been really fun to have a language to communicate with one another and to be able to identify with your own unique strengths and be proud of who you are and feel like that you're, you're unique and be able to work through those strengths and then communicate with another. You know, one of my um, really great close teammates is deliberative, where I'm an activator. And so it's funny, we can use that language to be able to communicate better with each other rather than thinking someone's just like holding me back or I'm just being frustrating and not paying attention to things. We now have a language to understand and support each other. So I love that idea of knowing each other's strengths, but also it's really important in leadership, I think, to know who you are and to act on those as well and to be really aware of how your, your strengths and your actions impact others and to be able to have that common language um, sets that foundation. 
I love that. I love what you said there and the Gallup polls and what you said about the strengths finder and strengths based leadership. That's so important. And our principals actually over the summer, they started some of our PD sessions as we're going to know each other with the compass personalities so the north, south, east and west. So that was really helpful as well. Just like what you're saying, it's very it's very similar in the approach and to understand you know, when all the Norths came onto one side of the room, it was hilarious because I am a North person. And then, <laughs> go figure, right? <laughs> and, it was, and it was funny because as we went around, we also talked about the traits that we like about whatever, North, South, East, or West, or, and we didn't even know each other yet. So it was, okay, what do we like about this North personality in general and what hinders us from being, being successful. And it was funny when it came around and different people were so honest about, well, when people are sometimes north, this can come across and this can hinder me because I feel like they're taking too much charge. So having those honest conversations is really helpful to know how to really approach people in general and how to tame yourself back sometimes when there's north like me and you, you know, because I am a north person, but I'm also very west where I'm collaborative and I want everyone to join in but you learn through other people how to, you know, how to make everyone feel like they're an, an important piece of the puzzle. Awesome. We're gonna move into the second question or the second topic. So the second topic is about powerful learning first, technology second. So I think about a lot of times I see silos in districts and schools and people aren't necessarily communicating very well because one group is focusing on technology and thinking we have to get these iPads into the school or we have to make sure we're one-to-one -one, where we have other groups who are thinking about I have curriculum and we need to make sure that we have standards met. When, and so I see that too often when we're focused on um, the initiatives or programs rather than really focusing on learning, we miss the point a lot. And I, I you know, if we all go back to what we got into teaching for, it's really this powerful learning and impacting students through how we're teaching, how they're learning and creating those opportunities so that they can really understand who they are and grow as individuals. So what, tell me a little bit about what you're thinking or what you experience or how you address even this notion of powerful learning first and technology second. I believe that your classroom environment takes precedence over everything and the culture that you set and the energy that you set because really the energy and the foundations and the relationships are the foundations of everything and kids and adults likewise just want to be cared about. They just want someone to love them and to really understand who they are, not just superficial, but deep down in their soul. So if you have that environment, that's really what it's all about and the technology is just an extraneous item. So I really believe in getting to know what, as what George says in the book, each different learner. So not just when you say learners, that just sums it up too broadly, each individual learner and how to differentiate to that. So often I'm looking at the learning that we're doing, our curriculum, our standards first, and I look through that K through five and I glance through it. And then through that, I look at different resources and how can I help support them with this? And I also ask them, what are you needing the most assistance with? How can I come in and can we teach together? Things like that. And some lessons are you know, perfect fit for technology and help transform it because it differentiates for students to be able to use different apps or different websites to help their learning, but that's not the end all be all and that never should be the go to 100 
or even 50 or not even as not even a percentage set of a time. So once you right. focus on the great learning and the best learning that you can do that really helps push kids thinking in general, then you can find out if to use technology or not. But that should never be the first thing as far as should I use technology? That should never be the right. Question. And, you know, one thing we hear a lot is, um, you know, technology is just a tool. And I think one thing that George pushes on in the book and that I think is important to think about, it is a powerful tool if learning is at the core and if learning is the driver and the learners are really um, in, the, in the driver's seat, then we think about technology and what you can do because of it. And so I think about some different classrooms that I have been in and some of them where the learning comes first and you have, a, you have a, um, some activity that you're doing, but then technology becomes an add-on or an activity that you do after you've learned something. Mm -hmm. So I think that difference, you know, we're going to play games because we've already finished our activity. That's one way to look at it. But I think when technology has its power and we can really leverage the outside world is when you're using it in lessons and ways to connect kids beyond what's in the traditional classroom, to connect kids with experts and to connect beyond with other kids. Um, so I, I think that there's some really different ways that we can look at technology and allow it to open up our classrooms and open up kids and allow them to access new and better ideas rather than just an add-on or a game or a program that comes as an afterthought. Yes, I could not agree with you more. It's so true. And so far this year, we've done different Google Hangouts uh, with different teams to connect them with different classes. And I think often what I see teachers say on Twitter in general is that, hold on, I think I'm getting feedback. Let me try this again. Um, what I see some teachers say on Twitter is we want to connect, you know, these teachers to the experts, which is great. But as you said, kids want to connect with other kids. Just like we want to connect to other adults on Twitter, they want to connect to other kids. So I'm really proud of the teachers at my school who have used Kids Blog and other things so far this year to connect with different classes. And in general, just to think outside the box, just the other day, a first grade teacher and I teamed up and we created a rap video based on the sounds lesson that we were doing. And I was teaching the kids how to rap, not that I'm a pro by any stretch of the imagination. And then we published it uh, on Twitter and we showed them, like we actually... She actually posted the tweet and showed them, we're about to post this online. And they were like, oh, my gosh, because it really puts it in perspective. And once they have an audience, they are going to perform differently. They're going to have this different reaction than they would have had otherwise. Nice. So the last topic that we're going to talk about is creating meaningful learning experiences for teachers. Um, and this is something that, of course, I'm, we're both very passionate about. And we think about um, the opportunities for teachers too often. It's we're going to go to this professional development and you're going to learn something and it's a tool or an event rather than really thinking about professional learning as a way that we approach our day-to-day -day life in, in education and our work and really thinking about a process. And I think one of the, um, the seminal research that really stands out to me from Joyce and Showers is to think about when teachers go to a workshop or a conference, they might retain 15 to 20% of what they learn or 15 to 20% actually implement something new. Mm -hmm. um, but when you have opportunities for safe practice and opportunities to collaborate and opportunities for coaching and feedback, that number can go up to about 90% that will implement new, new ideas. 
So what are some ways that you have um, helped teachers learn beyond a traditional stand and deliver professional development experience? I really think about seven different things when I am thinking about putting together professional development. I'm thinking about how can I get feedback from multiple parties prior to the beginning of the professional development or whatever the learning is. And I think about my audience. So if we're doing different groups, how can I transform how I am handling this based on the learner? So just like students, this, most of the rules that apply to the students apply to adults. It should not be a one size fits all. And then also I think of how can we invite others into this, whether it's other people within our district or even can we periscope it? Can we do a Google Hangout? How can we go global with our learning and to make it really meaningful? Also, I think of how can we plan a healthy mix of organic sessions at P PD where it's like EdCamp style or it's kind of choose what you need menu situation or just different structured breakouts or structured sessions as well. Also, empower your teachers to lead. As I said before, if you know their strengths and you know what they are so great at in the classroom, you can ask them, as Cheryl Sandberg says, to lean in and to join in that conversation with you and to really take that charge to feel like that they are such so strong in what they know, and that's powerful. And I have also learned in general to connect with other experts, whoever they are, to be fun, first and foremost, because just as you're teaching in the classroom, a teacher, just like a student, does not want to see someone who's going to stand up and be like this and talk monotone and not act like they're engaged or not act like they're passionate. And so have fun with it, first and foremost, and to not be afraid to just on the fly, because probably you can relate to this, Katie. I will create professional development, and I will be up for weeks creating it, and then the night before, I, I'm weird, I, get, I still get nervous about that, even if it's just in front of people I know, because yeah. I really care about making every minute worth gold. So, and then even once you go to it the day of, you just adjust on the fly. And I think just like as you teach students, the same applies to adults. Don't be afraid to adjust on the fly, because I have seen so many times, and not just, not just at schools, at conferences, where people say, well, I, I've, this is on the agenda, so I'm going to cover it all. And that's not how life works. So we just have to be flexible. Well, and I think um, something that I've been pushing myself and kind of our team to think about as well is you can plan, but sometimes we over plan and we overstructure these opportunities and we take away yeah. some of the opportunities for the learners. And so I'm really kind of always pushing back on thinking, how much can I give to learner and how much can we put that experience out there and just create the environment and the conditions where people can learn together and the cognitive load really can be on the learner. Because at the end of the day, the more we do as the presenter or the teacher um, really takes away some of those learning opportunities. And I, I'm not to say that there's really great times to share and to really present some information, but I think we just need to be cognizant of the over planning and limiting ourselves from what the learners really want to know and need to know. Mm -hmm. And that makes me think too, too often that we also spoon feed everything to students or to adults. And Tony Robbins, I, he's a motivational guru, even though he doesn't like to be called a motivational speaker, he's motivational. And he talks about the idea of resourcefulness, resourcefulness excuse me, versus having resources. And we can give the teachers everything they need in the world, but if we also don't give them time and the empowerment to try these things, 
I think we're also doing a disservice too, because just like kids, we all need time to just try and play and learn ourselves. Absolutely. So that is going to wrap up our questions, our rapid fire questions. We are going to take um, two different questions from guests. And the first question is from John Bennett, and he's at JCBJR from Midlothian, Virginia, I think. So his question is, um, I'm a strong advocate of students working in teams um, to boost innovation, but what is your, um, what's the response and how much time do you think needs to be given for the individual versus collaborative learning? What are your thoughts on that? I really believe in figuring out, just like with technology or not using technology, what is the purpose of what you're doing? What's the vision for the learning for that particular moment, hour, day, whatever it is? And then to plan accordingly and to also get the students' feedback too, because too often, like we just said, we get inside our own head and we have these stigmas based on this is how we have to do everything. But sometimes just ask your kids and ask them what they need and how they will best learn in this situation. I'm a huge proponent and fan of cooperative learning. I love cooperative learning structures like Kagan. I trained there and I went to Orlando and I really believe in the different methods that they have as far as helping kids all come to the table and having a voice in a structured way. But there's also something to be said for reflecting by yourself, working on your own because we all need time, even myself, who I'm incredibly outspoken, but I also need time to be in, be in my own head because sometimes it's exhausting when you're constantly thinking and reflecting and you just need to just think on your own. So kids are the same way and we have to think about what's the vision, how do we want them to reflect, how do we want them to learn, and how can we have multiple modules going on? Because it doesn't have to be just one for one lesson. Do what you need based on the learning and I don't. I think to not think of it as a formula and then allow yourself to try and figure it out based on what you're doing. I love that. Really understanding what the learning goal is and what you need. And I think part of that we were talking about us as adult learners, but as students, helping them understand who they are and their own strengths and how they learn best. And so helping students be metacognitive about their process and when they need to collaborate with somebody or when they need to step back and reflect. So mm-hmm. I think that's just really important of being aware and creating multiple opportunities for learners. Yes. So the next question or last question I should say is from Holly Christian from Fairmont, um, Minnesota. And she is asking about parents and administration. So her question is sometimes the biggest obstacles in being innovative are parents and administrators. What are some strategies that you use to educate or inform these groups to help, um, help bring them into what you're doing in the classroom or in the school? I believe that it is imperative to understand everyone's perspective. I think too often we think there's pushback from so-and-so and so-and-so, and we don't realize the reasons why, or we don't really consider it, or we don't take the time to think about it. And there's different reasons for why innovation sometimes is pushed back. So I think before you jump to conclusions, you have to get to the deep root of what that is if you can figure it out. And then once you've gone there in your head and thought about it, to try to meet them where they're at. And the best way that I've succeeded in this, whether it's parents or whether it's administration or central office, is inviting them into things. So to say, hey, I am doing this or we're doing this with the collaborative teacher team or we're going to do this with students. Would you like to come in and would you like to see this? Whether this is parents or administrative or central office, all parties, 
to invite them in and to also, like I talked about earlier, I know Katie, you and I have talked to this, about this before, about bringing the table to them. So we talked about before about leaning in, but you have said before and we've talked to also bring the table to them. And too often we don't think outside of the box on how to get their opinions and how to really get their expertise because administration and parents and sisters and brothers and whoever it may be have something to bring to us if we would only just take the time to really just dive in and to really reflect and be inspired by them. So I think if I've invited other people and I've shown that I care about their opinion, that it's really just moved mountains and anything that I've given to them has been given back to me in more ways than I can even describe. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think we had also talked about the assumptions and, you know, sure. Sorry, I was getting making sure that we are not assuming that what people we what people want or or think is is valuable in school and really coming to the table. And if we focus on thinking of strategies, if we focus on the learners and what's best for students and what we want, then everything else falls into place. Rather than saying, "Do you want me to do homework?" or the parents or principal thinks that I should assign homework or they think that we should do this type of activity, at the, if you focus on what you want for students and what you want them to know and do, then you can design the learning experiences in that learning environment that is best suited to meet those unique learners and the context and bring everybody in together. I agree, and there's also something to be said too, because I've taught it even at conferences with other adults I didn't know before, where I was talking about innovative ideas and I could see the look most people are excited, but you can always see a few in a crowd that are like, I don't want to do this. Why is this lady trying to tell me this is a great idea? And I, I honestly ask them, is, is there any apprehension that we have? And tell me like what you're thinking and be very honest. And then once mm -hmm. you hear someone's fears, then you can help either relieve it or see what they're saying from a different light. Because sometimes when we're so innovative as educators in this day and age, we don't think of they had a whole different experience as a child, as a kid. And we also have to understand that, that this isn't gonna happen overnight. We have to be patient, hear their fears and be willing to brace those and to go forward with that ideology and to encourage them to join with us. Absolutely, you gotta meet people where they are and then whether that's teachers, whether that's students, parents, administrators, meeting people where they are and understanding that rather than assuming everyone's gonna be where you are. Super important and really back to the beginning of unleashing talent, finding out who people are and helping meet them where they are is one of the best strategies and foundational to moving anybody forward. Absolutely. So that is gonna wrap up our uh, fourth live iMOOC session. And Kara, you have been awesome. You have so many great ideas and you can tell how passionate you are about teaching, but more importantly, how passionate uh, you are about people. And um, the, the work that you do moving them forward is just really inspiring. So can you tell us where to find you so we know how to connect and follow up with you after the show? Well, thank you, Katie, that made my day. You're such a sweetheart and I feel the same exact way about you. You're inspiring as well. You can find me on Twitter at K-A-R-A -A and then underscore W-E-L-T-Y. And also I blog on my website and I write and it's karawelty.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And we will post this if you didn't get to see it live. 
And we look forward to your thoughts on Twitter and your blogs this week. As always, the iMOOC community is amazing and we love what you share and connect and um, the memes were hilarious. So hopefully we um, keep seeing more of those and more of your ideas that you continue to connect and share um, and celebrate powerful learning and um, amazing educators all over the world. So we will see you next time. Thanks again, Kara. Thank you. Thanks, everyone.